Welcome to the Wisdom for Warriors podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Shane Patton. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm here with uh, Shane Patton. Um, we've known each other. When did you come through the, the academy? Uh, it was July the 4th of 2022 so about 18 months okay. or a little over 18 months ago yeah okay so yeah we, we've known each other just over a year um then you came back down for the instructor course how long ago is that now that was in august september is like end of august september or something like that man I, I i mean i know you're a busy guy and we'll talk about that but like on our end like it just oh, goes like a no, blink no way y'all can map that together yeah so uh, before we get into it, um, if you would just, you know, let the listeners know a little bit about you, you know, where you're from, family, stuff like that. Just a little overview. Okay. Yeah. My name is Shane Patton. It's Paul. already articulated. I'm from a pretty small town in North Texas. We're on the border of Oklahoma, about 60 miles north of Dallas. We uh, uniquely do have a, a memorial VA hospital here. And that's where a majority of the individuals work who have like a decent living and things like that. Um, I come from a pretty decent-sized family. I have three brothers. Um, we were all athletes. We grew up in this town. I've lived pretty much all over the world, like in various locations and states and things of that nature. I have a, a beautiful wife. Her name is Faith, and I have a son named Grayson. He's 10 years old. He's in the fourth grade. They're pretty much my purpose in life. They're the reasons I do what I do uh, and the reason I'm so busy in life. I uh, I've been in law enforcement for almost... 20 something years, a little over 20 years. I'm almost 40 years old. And a lot of people don't think I'm 40. I look kind of young for my age, but yep. I take that as a compliment. The older I get, the more complimental or complimentary it gets. Uh, it's, it's nice to hear. Uh, I'm a silent partner in a, uh, a weightlifting gym and I help coach powerlifting there. And I also am now a majority owner of a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gym as well as a private security firm. I'm a majority owner of that as well, and we can get into that here in a little bit. I uh, I teach, I mentor at the high school as much as possible. I coach youth sports. Uh, I utilize the 24 hours that are allotted to us day to my fullest potential. Death experiences, and I don't waste time. So I've almost, like I said, died a couple times, like completely and it's just something that's in, important to me on and no excuses and I work hard so just there's just a little bit about me before we about. so getting into it um so you said you've lived all over the world but I know you weren't in the military how did uh how did all that come about so you know I've I've traveled so much with either our business in a sense or I used to be a Muay Thai kickboxer I was a golden glove champ two-time back in the early 2000s and I was a state champ national champ Olympic alternate and then I started Muay Thai kickboxing uh, a little bit after my 18th birthday or so or, or it was right around you know 20 something like that and then I started doing MMA fighting and, I, and that's when I discovered uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you know that that track that took me places uh, yeah. whether it be competing coaching uh, cornering whatever whatever it may be went been to thailand and bangkok uh been to rio de janeiro uh you know it's it, whether it be from the combat sports aspect or whether it be from 
uh, the business in a sense of our security. I've been to Europe and been to Canada with uh, with our company. Okay, that's right. I I remember you telling us a story of uh, a certain trip down to to Brazil where it got a little oh. sketchy. Yeah, very sketchy. <laughs> uh, um, that's right. So, uh, how long have you been doing jujitsu now? On and off for probably 16, 17 years, but oh. there's been laps of time. Uh, at one point, I stopped for up until I started about a year ago again. It was probably five or six years, or four or five years last time I really com- like did it religiously. Mm-hmm. And then there was a couple other time that I didn't do it for about three years. I broke both of my hands in an MMA fight, mm. like right after my wife had each other. I was probably 26 and I was in a real low spot in my life because I had sponsors and stuff. Even though I was doing law enforcement, I had, you know, I was trying to make it and I was in the prime of my physical capabilities and stuff. And I just kind of put it to the backside, you know, and found my wife and we moved on and built a life and started again and stopped it again. But we're, I'm back to it though. So what, uh, what belt are you? I'm a purple belt. Okay. That's right. Um, trying to work towards my yeah but see what now because i did machado for a long time and me i've told the uh professor that we have the third uh, he's fixing to get his third stripe uh under gracie under the gracie system and i really want to i don't want to strip myself necessarily all the way down to white but i i want to give him the opportunity to we've been rolling a lot but gauge where i'm at and if if he believes due to the way he grew up and trained that if I need to go back, I'll go back. I don't care. Right. I'll come back up. No, it's not. I don't go to jujitsu and do jujitsu for the color of the belt. Right. That that may have been something that I chased for a long time, you know, with lost time. I mean, I surely, I mean, sure. I could be a black belt. And in terms of absolute, when I've competed in absolute divisions and stuff, yes. I mean, I've submitted tons of black belts, but that the black belt is not necessarily a level of how amazing you are because competition jiu-jitsu and lifestyle jiu-jitsu are completely two different things. hundred percent. And like a lot of people, like novice people for sure, but there's a lot of people who, who've been doing it for years that don't get that concept. And I mean, some of the best people in the world are purple belts. I mean, John Jones is a purple belt. Right. And, uh, I think he actually may have just gotten his brown. I could have. I feel, I feel like he did. I, yeah. But here's the thing. We all know that he's clearly a black belt status, but under the system in which he trains, you have to be in a gi two days a week, every week, or you can't get a black belt. And mm-hmm. it usually takes about years to do so. But we, that's what I mean by like competition jiu-jitsu, where there's lifestyle jiu-jitsu. It's not just something, it's not two inches that holds your pants up. It, it It's a representation of your entire life. You do not get a black belt in a true system by being the person who taps people out all the time. It's, it's, it's about what type of person you are, how are you living? How are you coaching? How are you teaching classes? How are you helping those below? You know, it's, you will never reach a true black belt in a real system with a true lineage. If you're a bad person, just won't happen. Oh yeah. We, uh, um, when, you know, Grant got his black belt here, was it last month or so? Hanato Tavares, which is our, our black belts, black belt. I think he's a fifth degree. And um, right. he was talking about his schools, you know, back in Florida. Oh, maybe I'll pop down there while I'm down there. Um, yeah. He's, uh, 
he said, he's like, yeah, I've got a brown belt that, you know, just really showed his butt here recently. It was really treating people really bad at the school and he ain't getting his black belt anytime soon. You know, he, uh, you know, it's, it's not just about your skill and everything like that. And, and, you know, every school is different, a little bit different, but I think, uh, like you said, the lineage, um, you know, if it's coming from Brazil, you know, it's got that pretty strict lineage. It's not just competition and whatnot. And it's different than other martial arts too, because, you know, like, you know, karate and like some of these other, um, (laughs) you know, stand up, you know, stuff like, you know, you pay to get your, your belt or, you know, you paid a belt test. Yeah. So it's, it's not 1980s martial arts. Um, that's why I love it. I, I mean, traditionally I grew up a boxer and then a kickboxer. Yeah. So to me, I, I'm very, I feel the most comfortable there because I'm the most fluent. I'm the most decorated at that, but I love jujitsu more. It's the most challenging thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it's the greatest equalizer in terms of combat sports. If I mean, we can go back and look at all the UFC champions and they either had some type of jujitsu or not, not all of them majority, if not most of them had jujitsu or wrestling as a base. And if they didn't, they, they lost to somebody who did. They lost to somebody and then got good at it. Yep. So, yep. Because it's just obviously 85% of all street fights. I read that statistic somewhere. Somebody fact check me later, go to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not if it's when, and because people inherently your brain tells you on the fight or flight mode to get close to someone and then you lose your footing and you go to the ground and if you can control that environment then you're gonna win so yeah i push i push bjj to a lot of parents because they know how high level and high decorated i am in terms of striking but the thing is is as much as we know about brain issues and injuries and things like that now uh, when i coach boxing and stuff I don't, I don't let kids spar until 12 years old. That's good. Um, you can't even enter the Golden Glove realm until you're 16. So, in, in a true sense, and I won't even let them. We do body sparring, light sparring with headgear, very light. But real true sparring, even with headgear, not until 12, because who, no one's gonna remember when you were 10 and you were the best in the world. Right. You know, they're gonna remember the concussions you got. I promise you, and your your brain damage by the time you actually reach pro level. Yeah. So. I'm fighting at four and five years old, you know, like obviously with headgear and things and big gloves, but still it's the amount of impact and trauma that is associated with that. We're a lot smarter than we were in the eighties than than we are now. Right. And, and so one of the the big things just to kind of piggyback off of that, like in our world, um, we always get, it always comes up. Well, why aren't, why aren't y'all teaching us striking? Why aren't you doing this? And when I went through (laughs) GST, uh, back in, I guess it was May, um, Alan Manganello, this is the the guy who owned the school up there, the black belt up there, and was running the program. He was like, "Well, let me ask you this." And he's like, "Who who are uh, some boxing fans are here? You know, and there's you know 84 cops in there, and like you know, I don't know, a third of them raise their hand." And he asked, "He's like, you know, what's a what's an average successful hit rate for like a top tier uh, boxer, like a." You know, like, uh, you know, like uh, Floyd Mayweather or something, and he's still, he's gonna throw eight hundred punches in one fight. You know what I mean? Like, right. And how many of them so, are successful hits? Right. Not, many. not very many. Yeah. So it's like somewhere around thirty percent. And then he goes on and he said, yeah, that, "That's a high number." Yeah. For somebody, that's some of the best strikers in the world. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, "Who's my baseball fans?" He's like, "All right, so what's a you know what's a good batting average for like a top tier 
you know, baseball guy. 300. Boom. What's that? Another 30%. So exactly. Explaining this to cops in the room. He's like, so you're telling me somebody who is untrained and striking as it is that you're going to (laughs) successfully knock somebody out in a high stress situation. Um, you know, when all this craziness is going on, it's probably not going to happen. And then if you miss and say there's a wall behind or you're on the ground, you know, in a, in a uh, grappling situation, you miss, you hit the ground and now your hand is crippled. And that maybe it goes to a deadly force situation. And you can't even draw your own weapon out. So like when he said that, like I got like I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. I'm like, that's yeah. scary, dude. Like I've never really, you know, I've done some Muay Thai and stuff, too, but. When you really take a step back and look at it that way, like, yeah, like, I'm not going to try and punch somebody uh, pretty much ever. Like, I'll, I'll clinch you and I'll, you know, no. I'll throw some elbows and knees. Don't get me, don't get it twisted. But I'm going to try and take you to the ground and end it that way. Because if I mess up my hand, then what? In our world, it's so optics are everything. Yeah, um, that too. It's our job. A lot of times when people see videos of three or four officers trying to subdue one individual, what they don't see is, is they're they're trying to subdue them with a the minimal amount of force, whereas if five of them wanted to keep punching him and hitting him, it would be a bloodbath, you know. So, I uh, I've always taught people. I've never. I mean, I I know a similarity that analogy you just used. Uh, I've and, and I'm a hundred percent. I agree with that. And I've and I've kind of spoken on that in in past times of teaching DT and things like that. Is I'm teaching a person a lot of times now who have never even seen a physical altercation, much less been in one. So how am I going to, like me, it's different. I'm battle tested. I've been through a lot of things. I fought a lot growing up and I did competition fighting, but I'm very seasoned in that way. And even now I will not, my first instinct, even if you swing at me is not to punch you right? because I could break my hand and I may not be able to use my weapon. Mm -hmm. My it's, not a controlled environment where if I break my hand, they're going to stop. And everybody's like, oh, okay, we'll do this again another day. Yeah. That's not the same situation. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no bell, there's no ref, there's no multiple people that are stopping things. So uh, we want to do things and not hurt ourselves or the individual. And if you can control a human being's body and there's outliers mm-hmm. to this, like obviously you're, you're going to meet a guy that's a, a part of my executive protection team. He's a police officer in Florida. He's six foot eight, four hundred and thirty pounds. Jesus. Um, <laughs> he's the largest human beings I've ever seen in my life, and uh, he played he played uh, almost professional football. I think he blew his knee out and things. I you know I'll let him share his story to you. However, he uh, a lot of jujitsu things since he's in really good shape are not going to work necessarily. You know what I mean? Uh, like Brian Shaw and people like that. You know, world strong spin. There are outliers to that, but right. but that's where condition comes. You know, so I, I would be, I would be willing to bet his conditioning is not the level of most guys who do jujitsu three to five days a week. So you have to, you have to burn them out. But, but that's that's a level to jujitsu that a lot of people don't take into consideration or any type of combatives is, is there's levels to everything. There's a spectrum to this, and uh, that's where uh, force meets force. So the other day I went to uh, uh, a guy that works out at our gym is a physics teacher. And he's like, he's young. He's like 26, 27, but he worked with NASA for a few years before he became a teacher. And I went in and led a class that kind of echoed off of force analysis. Mm -hmm. And I explained force to physics class that force is a, obviously it's an equation on a paper. However, in my, in my line of work, we have to take outliers and we have to take 
situational things that are going on and pre-indicators and things like that of what force we're going to use. And it could change depending on what they do. So right. there's equations that are on your head from your training and to application. So it was pretty cool to teach the class. You know, I didn't, I didn't ever think I'd be able to be in a physics class teaching, you know, a group of kids about physics, but, but we did it. So it was nice. interesting. It's funny. Uh, we, we have uh, um, a guest instructor that's here right now and he's, he's been around, um, I think he said since 2003. So pretty long time, and he's been uh, an instructor since 2004, and he's wow. a brown belt. Um, and he had a pretty cool uh, way of, you know, like trying to get through because we got that instructor course going on right now. And he's like, you know, the way you should look at it is kind of like this. If, if your chief came up to you and was like, hey, I want you to start teaching our guys about algebra. Like, what? Like, <laughs> I don't know anything about algebra. <laughs> He's like, it's okay. I'm going to send you down to the academy. You're going to be there for two weeks. You're going to learn about algebra. You'll come back and you'll teach everybody about algebra. And it was like, wow, that's like really good because, you know, they're, they're coming to us for DT and, uh, you know, our, our jujitsu stuff, our ground stuff for two weeks. He was using this, this analogy to be like, you know, you need to go back and practice it on your own because two weeks is not enough sure. time. And I was like, man, that's, you know, that's, that's a unique way to put it. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you, can't, you you can touch the tip of the iceberg or the spear or whatever phrase you want to use with a couple weeks. But the, the thing that, that kind of like bothers me in terms of training and stuff in our our field, I, I think the VA does a great job in terms of like how we train and how much money we get. I mean, we could get better, but we're better than a lot of agencies. And but the thing that bothers me is a lot of guys do it as a stepping stone or individuals do it as a stepping stone rather than engulfing themselves in what the training is. Because if you're, if you're instructing a group of individuals that know you on an intimate level, like your coworkers, they're going to know if you care or not. Yeah. So it, to me, it's important that, especially the things you're talking about, like when we do GDR or anything to do with ATR or firearms, those are life or death situations. I'm not teaching you bloodborne pathogens <laughs> right. or like that, you know, like, uh, so Mel's, I was going to, you know, to segue a little bit, Mel's, he sent an email the other day. I'm sorry. Can I use people's names? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't mind. Okay. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that information. I didn't ask you first. So somebody from, from up there, he, he sent out a, all like an, a list of who wants to teach classes for physical, for, you know, education, all the, the, the services and branches y'all have. Mm. And so they asked me to come up and teach ethics to be post and i was like i don't have time to do that yeah, or, right. come up and teach post and and they said hey we heard that you because I, I i told a pretty interesting g uh in idc i told a pretty interesting ethics story when i was in there and they they, they thought it would be applicable and i said i i would like to i just don't you know there's no way i don't have a lot of time to do that because of all the things that are going on in my life right but i just thought that because i mean nobody wants to teach uh you know, communication or ethics, you know, they don't want to teach those classes because they believe everybody has those, but ethics and morals are two different things. You know, they, they go hand in hand, but they're completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, just to get back to one thing, uh, steer away from that a little bit, but, um, I had, I had the thought yesterday, um, 
I posted something about it, but you know, I tell this, I tell my guys all the time, all students and everybody that I come encounter with, like, I'm not putting a vest on and I'm not carrying, you know, a gun, um, on duty, you know, policing anymore, but this world is freaking nuts right now. And I do this to continue to, to, to train with the most violent people I know so that if I encounter somebody that wants to, to see what violence is like, hmm. it's If it's an average human being, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to walk away, you know? And, 100%. and, and that's what, that's why that's another thing I kind of like, let these guys know like a lot, like every time we do D uh, P uh, sorry, PT, I'm like, Hey, you know, if, you know, if this was kind of a smoke show, this could be a gut check for you. Like, I, again, I'm not one putting the vest on everything, but, you know, there's crackheads in every Walmart across America, right? Like, you never know when yeah. something's going to happen. My partner, that's that's crazy you talked about it. We were just talking about it yesterday, and we had, a, like, kind of like an all-hands meeting with our captain. Um, so we're a super seabock, and we have a captain, and we're separate from Dallas, but Dallas is where our chief is. So we have a captain and like 15 guys and we're not 24 hours a day in terms of ER. We don't even have an ER. We have a domiciliary and we have a CLC that's heavily populated. So that's one reason we have a, a, a big police presence. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, we were talking and I was talking about GDR season to come up for second quarter. And I told the guys, I said, I'm not trying to smoke anybody on purpose. I said, I want to, we're going to, we're going to drill pretty decently. And we have a lot of guys that are out of shape and they're just kind of like, they're kind of annoyed with it. But I said, I told, I said, you know why I'm going to do it? I said, I want you to test your heart. Mm. I said, do you know why I work out every day and why I train consistently? And I make that a part of my life. It's not, I treat it like a bill that I have to pay. Yeah. Because owed. And, and I told him, I said, listen to me. I said, I work out and train for my family. Because I don't know if I'm going to have to get up in the middle of the night and fight a person and intrude into my house. I train for my partner at work because I promised him when I clocked in today that I would get him home to his wife and kids. Yeah, That's why, that's why I train. And I hope you treat my life and my family's life as I treat yours. Because if an incident happens, nobody's going to come faster. No one's going to come to come to that incident harder than me. And I promise you, I'm not going to ask questions. We'll figure it out later, but, but I'm coming. So you go home later. And, and and it sounds superficial and it sounds like self-fulfilling to an extent, but that's not why I'm telling you right now, that's why I do the things I do in life. And, and, and it's because I took the, you know, I took an oath as a man and as a provider that that's what I'm going to do. So I treat it that way. It's, it's, it's a obligation. It's not, something I like to do. I do like doing this stuff, but I don't like doing it every day. So I do it because I have to. Yeah. That's why I do it. Yeah. And, and then I'm the, I'm the same way, man. Like I, uh, you know, I, everybody we train with at work, except for like two guys. So like two guys out of about 15 that are fairly regular, uh, when we train at work are over 200 pounds. Um, and yeah. all of them, pretty much all of them have more experience than me. Like I'd say like 90% of them have like decades in some cases more experience than me. And I get beat up. Like I said, I get beat up at work. Like what, what do I train? But again, I, I don't take that as like, man, this sucks. Like, oh, uh, you know, I'm not getting any better. 
because one, I know I'm getting better, and two, like I said, if that average Joe thinks that you know I'm just gonna be a little sheep, like you got it wrong. Like you're, <laughs> you, you got it twisted, you know. And uh, that's why I keep doing it. I love it, man. Like I, I just push the limits, you know, because I always tell these guys too, like I'm, you know, I'm a disabled veteran too. I have my aches and pains. You know, last week I right. I thought I did something pretty serious to my uh, calf, um, which worried me because I was like, man, I got I got a bit, I got a thing coming up next month. I'm gonna have to be on my feet for like eight ten hours a day. Like I, <laughs> I so I you right. know I chilled out on everything. Like I didn't roll last week. You know, I had promotion that I missed that I didn't you know get to help jump somebody in, but um, I that didn't just because that was hurting didn't mean I couldn't you know do upper body workouts. Didn't mean I couldn't do you know something cardio like. Um, a lot of people will find that, oh, I've, you know, I got a headache or I, I didn't sleep well or, you know, fill in the blank. And they take that and like, all right, well, then I'm just not going to do this today. But then today, today turns into tomorrow, which turns into next week too. Right. And then before you know it, you haven't done anything in, in weeks or months. And that's, that's not where I want to be. So like once upon a time in my life, a few years ago for about three years. So I took off from jujitsu and things like that. Like I said earlier, you know, for about two and a half years, I did, I trained for full distance Ironmans. And, uh, why? If you don't know what that is, well, all right. It's, it's going to sound a little sympathetic, but okay. I watched this documentary and I sent it to my buddy and I said, Hey, you think I could do that? And I was in a weird spot in my like physical capabilities. I just started working out again, like, like, you know, religiously. And, and I was trying to find a purpose mm. and he out of shadow of doubt said, absolutely. Cause he knew what I was capable of in my life. And, you know, it sparked a little bit of me. Well, I did, I, I thought about it for a while. Well, about a month or two later, he died oh, unexpectedly no. and probably not even joking like when i say this like not not even for the podcast or just inflating it a day before he died he said he sent me the date of the texas iron man which was like eight months away or nine months away or something and he said are you gonna do this or are you gonna talk about it <laughs> and uh i said well i'm gonna do it and so you know morning a little bit you know a couple days because i did his eulogy at his funeral and it, that was the hardest speaking engagement i've ever had in my entire life and I've done a lot of weird speaking engagements, but, you know, they tell you not to do that for the people you love because it's so hard. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it, but, you know, I got through it. However, um, I started training and it, it engulfed my life and to the point where I was running 30, 40 miles a week, Jeez. I was biking 200 miles a week, swimming 10 miles a week. And I did three days of strength training. And, uh, you know, when you go on super long runs, like one day, my, my last run, I took Saturdays off. It was the only day I took off. Um, I did, you know, I do a run, a bike, a swim. Cause that, or I do a swim, a run, a bike. That's, or I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll take it back. A swim, a bike, a run. That That's how my workouts were. And then I would repeat. Uh, so I did a triathlon two days a week, every week. And I went on a long run one time. And it, I'd just gotten off of work. Uh, for some reason I got off at like four o'clock and it was kind of like cold outside and I used to race. No, it was uh, two o'clock. I got, it was my short day at work and I said, I'm going to run, I'm going to race the sun. So I used to run and, and, and I would race the sun because it gets dark at like four 30. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, and I, I ran a marathon in about three hours and like 50 minutes or something like that. 
And it was after a whole week of work and all that. And in the middle of me running, because I was only going to run like 18 miles. And I was like, nah, I'm just going to run 26. And I thought about in the middle of me running, I was like, why am I doing this? You know what I mean? Other than the obvious reasons of what I promised and stuff, but why am I doing it? You know? And I came up with this saying and, and I apply it to my life now. And it's the reason I do the things I do now is because most won't, some can't. So I will. Mm. That's why I do it. A lot of people are lazy and they won't do things and they make excuses, kind of what you were saying while ago. And a lot of people can't, man. There's people with no arms and legs that can't do what I just did. Right. And that's disrespectful to the people who can't do those things. Mm. So, you know, I came up with that in my head. and Say that again. Say that again for me. Most won't. Some can't. So I will. Dang. I like that. Yeah. So I use that every day. Uh, You know, from the south, I know you're from uh, a little up north or whatever. Um. The Southern people have a lot of sayings, you know, we come up with slick little things. Oh, yeah. Stuff, you know? Love it. <laughs> it's like, it's, that's culturally who we are. Yeah. Because I, I mentor every Thursday at the high school. I haven't in a while, in like a couple months because I've been so busy, but I'm fixing to pick it back up after the Pro Bowl. Um, I go up and, and, and I have the absolute worst kids in the high school here. There's like 10 boys up there and most of them don't have dads or they're in prison and they don't have a big brother. And uh, I teach a little class for an hour. And, and it's open, it's open book, kind of like what you and I are doing. And I, and I get progress reports on these kids sent to me in an email. I don't play with them. Like life is no joke. Mm-hmm. And my whole premise for this is accountability and ownership. I mean, it's big in my house. You can ask my son that he's 10 and he knows what that means because as a young man and as, as a man entering into manhood, society's not going to give you a break. And if you're going to be a strong Christian conservative, man, you're going to get less breaks. So you have to be better (laughs) optically and emotionally and spiritually. You got to be better. Uh, And if you're not be better tomorrow, it's, uh, and and I don't do excuses at all. I was a very undersized. I'm 210 now, which is, I'm a I'm a lot bigger than I used to be. And I had a brother, my oldest brother, was a professional athlete, man. He was a true freshman, Division One football and baseball player. And he was a freak of nature. He's six foot, 230 when he graduated, could bench almost 485. And he was an 18-year-old kid and could do that. 19-year-old kid, sorry. Uh, so I had to work hard. And that that's the biggest thing to me is working hard is free. And it'll get – hard work beats talent almost every time, period. So – to me, those are important things. Those are pretty much the pillars of my life and what drive me. Because I believe if you give a man a purpose, you get a you get a happy, content, good man. Uh, men that are wandering aimlessly are men without purpose. So I don't know what your purpose is or what it's going to be. To me, I'm a conservative Christian man. It was to find a family and to provide for that family and protect that family. So that's why I do what I do. That's so good. Yeah, I like that um, that saying and that, just that whole, you know, that philosophy and everything. Um, I, I came up with one kind of similar to that. Uh, uh, Ryan one day said to us, he's like, you know, there, there's all these people, especially in our, in our world, that like, well, I used to do this. I used to be that, blah, blah, blah. 
And he says, uh, used to bees don't, don't make honey anymore. And I was like, I was like Dang. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's legit. So I, I thought about it and I, and like a little bit later. I was like, you know, there's used to bees, there's wannabes and there's gonna bees. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to steal. Yeah, I'm stealing yours. That's what I'm going to name the episode. But um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So like you know, and it's and that's the thing, man. You know, and that, that's something. I think as as a good man that's trying to be a leader, not only you know within their household, but just for other men, is you know you got to be that good representation of what you know you're preaching, um, and you got to motivate. And if you say like, well, I used to do this, so you should do this. Well, that's okay, cool. Like, <laughs> and I used to, I used to live and do other things too. But um, if I'm trying to motivate you to do and be different, I can't, you know, live on the past. For sure, hundred percent. That's good though. I like that. So life is about relativity. You know, what I mean, it's where you're at relative right now. So to me, it's those used to be's can build the pillars and, and, and show who you can be. Yeah. But, um, all drug addicts, all criminals, all bad people used to be good people. Right. You know, so that's good. It's not, not far fetched, but it's going to take some work. <laughs> and, and a lot of people are afraid of that. You know, they're afraid of the, the work and they're also afraid to look in the mirror. Cause that, that's, that's, that's a hard part right there too. Yeah, it's humbling. Like, I mean, I, I can tell you right now, no one likes to be wrong. I'm not telling, so I don't like to be wrong. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be hypocritical and be like, yeah, yeah. But I, it a few things that I have to work on in my everyday life are patience and uh, knowing everyone can't live up to the expectations of what I hold myself to. Mm, so that's good. I have 24 hours, like I said, and I, I, I tell people and I use it. Um, my partner at work, he is a, he's a family man. He's got three beautiful sons. He's a year older than me. We grew up, man, with each other. Like I've known this guy a long time. He used to be on the streets and I got him a job at the VA a year ago. Cause he wanted to kind of slow down in his life. He's been a cop for 20 years and he has three sons. Uh, one's in junior high. One's Grayson, my son's age. He's like nine or 10 and he has like a five year old. Well, he's talking, he used to be a really good baseball and basketball player. And he talks about how there's a woman who coaches his middle sons. Cause I said, Hey, we're playing y'all. Do you coach? Are you, are you helping coach? And he's like, no, no, no. And I was like, why not? And he's like, I said, don't say you ain't got time. <laughs> I said, you talking to the man with no time. <laughs> so I said, you know what I do in my life. He knows me intimately. So I said, if I have time to coach you sports, cause that's another way that I get to bond with my son is, and I get to spend time with him is, is in making him a better athlete and, and doing something extracurricular. Cause I don't care what my son does. He could be a dancer, a poet, he can do whatever he wants, but it will be extra because I don't mind is the devil's playground. hundred percent believe yeah. it. Uh, so I looked at my, and uh, later that day, he said, man, you got our, the next day he said, you got me. I went to practice last night. I'm assistant coach. He goes, you, uh, you like more or less. He told me I humbled him I, and that, that wasn't my, my intention. You know, it was, he's like, I try to teach him basketball and I want to work with him. I need to work with him more. And I said, so why don't you, I said, you have the knowledge and ability to teach somebody something. If you're holding that knowledge, you're being selfish. 
And, and you know, I, I, I said it in that way because I'm pretty much a straight shooter. And I wasn't, like, necessarily challenging him. I was just like, don't use excuses. No excuses. <laughs> you don't get any with me. Yeah. I don't do those. And we coached against each other on Saturday, <laughs> like, at our basketball tournament. Nice. And he was out there, and he was uncomfortable. Uh, he's he's a doer. He's not a coacher. You know, he was very good at sports, but he doesn't know how to coach. I said, you think coaches knew how to coach before they did it? Right. <laughs> they had to do it. You know, so – and, and you know – uh like two days ago or something, he thanked me, you know, for getting him out of his comfort zone. So that was uh, rewarding to me to hear that. Yeah. And, you know, that goes in hand with, you know, the whole being, being about it, right. You know, everybody can talk about it, but being about it, you know, you're, the, I, I firmly believe um, just, you know, guys like you guys, like Ryan got guys like Bobby, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And hopefully I'm, I'm being a representation of that now as well is planting those seeds for these other guys, whether we've, you know, directly have a connection with them to, you know, to make these changes. Like you just did like, Hey man, don't, don't BS me. You got time. Like, (laughs) you know, or, you know, just by them seeing us from afar, um, you know, that, that's, that's what it's all about. That's, you know, that's why I, I wanted to do this podcast because I feel like I can have a, a further reach and, you know, men are stubborn and they don't want help. They don't want to um, look in the mirror all the time. They, they want to always be right. You know, just, you know, all these different things, but right. sometimes it takes another man to be like, look, bro, you need to, you know, look at things a little differently, whatever the case is. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome that, you know, you're able to do all those things. And, you know, you talk about uh, the man that has no time, you know, that's a big thing. Like, I, you know, I, I work with some people and, you know, oh, I, I'm, you know, I played video games and da da da. I'm like, man, yeah, I remember playing video games and that was fun, but I'm like, I don't have time for that anymore. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't, I, sometimes like, yeah, it'd be cool to sit down for like an hour on the weekend to do that. But like, Oh, like I get up, I work out, you know, on the weekends, like I, I got chickens, I got five dogs, you know, my wife and, you know, we, we were always doing these different things. It's like, I, I, it takes us days to watch a movie. <laughs> like, I, right. you know, like, Oh, I don't have time. Like, uh, yeah, but you do, you just got to allocate it differently. hundred percent. So, so let's, uh, um, you're, the dojo. Let's uh, let's talk about that real quick. Um, okay. Is it is it close? Are we opening soon? What's what's the deal? January seventeenth. January seventeenth. Ooh, a week before we or ten days before we roll out, huh? Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> I, obviously, the people who are you know like doing everything with it, you know, but but the professor is is the guy who's in charge of everything. We. We didn't want to. We didn't want to rush it, and it's it's taking some time with some permits. I mean, back in August we wanted to open it, but a lot of things transpired that were out of our control. Of course, always. And it, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I just think it's the devil at work. You know, anytime something is hindrance, mm-hmm. especially when you have possibly going to be fruitful. Um, the thing is, is that I'm super excited about this. Uh, I met the guy who is the the black belt 
you know, pretty organically in a sense that, uh, the guy, uh, that I'm, uh, you know, that, that owns the majority owner of the, uh, the fitness center, he, he was approached multiple times about if he was, uh, if the gym was going to offer like martial arts, you know, and things like that. And he doesn't know anything about stuff like that. I mean, I've had to get onto him like four times. Literally I can screenshot it to you and show you, he can't spell jujitsu. <laughs> um, and, and, and Michael, who the, the, the black belt, he's all like, we have to like sit chance down and, and teach him. I said, I think he has brain damage or something. And it's, it's like, I told him the day, I was like, no more. You can't do anything with the jujitsu page. You're going to, I said, you're going to make somebody mad. Cause this is, this is how, uh, when we first met months ago, probably like last March about doing this, you know what I mean? Conceptualizing this and making it happen. We had to find a location. It had to be great, you know, things like that. We, we don't need this massive interest. I mean, I got about 600 square foot of mat space and it's very elongated. It's, it's, it's not traditional in the sense of a lot of places, but, but it's ours period. I put mats down in people's living rooms growing up. I put mats down in people's backyards. I put mats down in storage buildings. I've done these things and, and we've had classes in these places, you know, so it doesn't take a lot to woo me. And this is an amazing location for me. Uh, training is training. Uh, we're going to find some work and, and it doesn't matter where we're going to get it at. So to me, it's, uh, I'm super happy. we got our geese coming and everything with our patches and all that. Like I said earlier about the purple and brown and all that, like he wants to be super like respectful of me because we're in a business partnership and, and, and I'm giving him the opportunity to run his own gym and have his own dojo and things like that. You know what I mean? Something he's never had. And in, in terms of like financial abilities and things like that. And I don't want anything given to me and he's not going to, in a sense of his, you know, lineage, but because years ago I could have, I could have obtained a brown belt. I know for a fact I could have, mm -hmm. but oh, also I didn't highlight this. I want to, because I want it to be transparent is I, for about two and a half years, I stepped into 10th planet and took the gear off completely. Yeah. 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 I remember and talking about that went over the dark side. <laughs> it's not, you know, I knew Eddie decently and I knew Joe Rogan decently, believe it or not. So I'd been to multiple seminars and helped them and went to multiple gyms and, not speaking illy of either one, but Eddie is not the person that I want to align myself with, um, in terms of person, uh, like personally, um, he, he does things, uh, that are not on my same moral compass, I guess you could say without going too deep into that. I can talk off camera about that later, but he, uh, so I left that, you know, and came back and got a sour taste in my mouth just holistically and lost some time. Uh, again, like I said, the, the belt colors don't mean nothing to me. Yeah. I mean, Nikki rod was a purple belt smashing everybody in the world for like three years. So to me, the, the belts, they, they mean a lot because that's, those are goals that you're working towards, but the color of the belt doesn't represent the man. It, it represents the journey. Um, they're not handing out belts at real schools. You're not testing for them every six, seven, eight months. We're not, Unless you go to Lord Irvin's gym or something, I don't know, you know, where he's get he promises a black belt in like what ninety days or something, something crazy <laughs> like that. Sounds like a, a like a, a reality show. Yeah, or a pyramid scheme. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he does that. You know, I don't know what his maybe one hundred eighty days. I don't know. You can get a black belt in under a year. Is is like his pitch, <clears throat> and he, 
legitimate black belts that that are in on this like and it to me it's just a disservice to jiu-jitsu as a whole because it's not about how fast you can get it it's the journey yeah, you know yeah. it's it's not about the destination it's about the journey absolutely like where, where are you going to be in 10 years why not put a black belt on <laughs> you know what i mean like like that that's how i look at it is like you could be doing what you're doing now in 10 years or you could uh roll a few days a week and get a black belt you know what i mean to an extent you know ba- that that's at its most basic form uh the gym is in a central location uh i don't know what y'all call your hometown or the towns you live in where the courthouse is we call it a square because it's a square shape that's what a lot of places inside the the uh the state of texas call it yeah so it's on the square is you know for all intents and purposes and we have good parking uh I can tell you right now for years, cause I fought, you know, MMA and stuff. People have always wanted me to coach and teach their kids and stuff. And I just, you know, it's not something that I've done it at multiple gyms. You know, I've held classes. I was an inst- instructor and things like that, but it's been a long time. So now it's, it's been a big dream of mine to bring something to my hometown that is near and dear to my heart. And yeah, I was a boxer and a kickboxer and I love striking. I love elbowing. I love me and I love doing all those things. Uh, but another token of that is what I was speaking about earlier is a lot of people don't want their kids to get beat up. You know what I mean? They don't want to send their 12 year old in there and they come back with a busted lip, black eye. And it's like, what did you learn? Well, you didn't learn how to duck. I know that. So it's, uh, to me, it's, that's why I love jujitsu so much. It's, it's, it's for everybody. Uh, there's two types of people or there's two types of events where you'll see the most unique individuals you've ever seen in your life. It's uh, a powerlifting meet or a jujitsu tournament. You go there and you will see a spectrum of individuals that you will not see at any other sporting event. I promise you. Oh yeah, we we had that uh, that charity lift last week, and this guy pulled seven hundred and fifty five pounds. That's in- insane. And, like he's he's old he's older than you. Like I'm I'm not that young much younger than you, but wow. he's I think he was in his he had to at least be in his fifties. I apologize. That's- I apologize, Phil, if you listen to this and I got your age wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, but, dude, he – and he could have – I think somebody said it was his PR, and I'm like, he could have easily went higher. Wow. Like, that's that, insane. That's elite. Like, no matter what your weight is, that's elite-level deadlift. That's insane. To, to an extreme. <laughs> yeah. If you – to me, if you're pulling over six, that's elite level. If you're pulling over seven, you're, like, reaching a new level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, especially 750. Like, it's it's yeah. unnatural, but – but. <laughs> no, yeah. It is. You're pulling – yeah, that's – dang. And he's not – he wasn't like that's, a – he's not, like, a super huge dude either. I was just like, bro. But anyways. And, you know, and deadlift shows the true representation of your full strength. Full body, you know, that's yep. what they say. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's you. It's it is it's indiv- unique individuals that we put ourselves through these extremes. Because I, I mean, you and I, uh, you know, I do the strongman stuff. I don't do so much the powerlifting stuff. But these freak freak things we do, we choke each other out and, and you know break each other's <laughs> limbs in jujitsu. And then like for strongman competitions, I'm pushing, pulling, picking up, and doing all these crazy, weird, stupid weights. Like, it, and for me, it's yeah. it's. Like I said, I'm disabled and everything, but I, I need to know my limits. Like I, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to be that that disabled veteran that you know I look, I just stop doing everything and then I'm looking back and I'm like, man, I wish I'd have done more. Well, you don't, you don't want to be a used to be. Right. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, perfect. Exactly. You don't want to 
want to make honey still. That's it. So, that's it. That's why I do the things I do. Uh, I get I catch myself ego lifting or ego rolling every now and then. It's 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 the testosterone in my body. I'm a man, you know. Biologically, it's it's who we are. Right. Uh, it, there's a little alpha there, even if uh, even if you want to be self control, it, sometimes it gets the best of mm-hmm. us. Uh, so that's why I love love doing it so much. Is so I used to tell people all the time that you and I can't be best friends unless we've either punched each other in the face or almost choked each other out. Yeah. <laughs> like, or intimately as a man, if you haven't done those things, you know, like what are you capable of and how can I trust you with my life? Yeah. How, um, yeah, what, I, that just made me think we got to figure, hopefully we can get the schedule laid out for uh, the upcoming event. So maybe we can, uh, I know you'll be pretty busy, but I always I always like to try and find a school and, and jump in and, and get a, get an hour in um, when There's I travel. Some good schools in Orlando, bro. Oh, I'm sure. There's some reputable known schools yeah. in Orlando, and I want to say Hanato is in West Palm. I think that'd be a little bit of a drive, but um, uh, yeah, it's a little bit. But look it up on the map, you know. Yeah, I know that the Black Indians and you got AMA. Uh, or a, the American top team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in Boca. That's a drive because that's in Boca Raton. Yeah, Boca's like closer to Miami. Yeah, yeah. We work. I have a bit. Uh, we have a, a location that's uh, we do corporate security at in Boca. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, well, just speaking, we can't be best friends yet until we get we get down. <laughs> uh. But how how far how far are you from uh from here? From Little Rock. Yeah. Four hours. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll swing down there once this once we get back from Florida because I'm actually turning around, um, like a week later and going back down there for uh, an MTT for two weeks. From what I'm told, I'm going to Gainesville, so um, but definitely I'll have to swing down there. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh. Yeah, I'm not far. I mean, it's about, it's probably three and a half four hours. It's not very far. Uh, half of my drive is in Texas and then the other half's in Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. I, I figured it wasn't too far because I feel like Wolf is driving down there every weekend. seems like. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's, you need to get him. On the I, I Oh, believe insane. me. That's, that's the plan. Uh, dude. He's, uh, him and people like Ryan, you know, cause I didn't know Ryan before I knew Wolf. I've known Wolf for, I uh, almost 20 years. It seems, uh, because my mom's worked at the VA for like 28 years. Right. I mean, I ran around the VA when I was a kid, dude. And 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 I did a program there when I was 14. You can work when you're 14. You can only work two hours a day, and you got like worked with a doctor or somebody else. It was a program they did. Nice. And they just started that program back because it shut down, obviously, because of COVID and other things. But but it was it was refreshing to see that program this summer and see some kids that used to be me, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, it uh, it was pretty cool to see that, but yeah. So I, it, whenever I came to the VA, like I didn't get treated as a rookie. You know what I mean? They were like, like, cause like I told y'all before, Les and Wolf, Les was the captain, and he was friends with my mom, and I got brought in as an adjunct off the street. Uh, I was a police officer off the street, and came in and taught like uh, advanced GDR stuff to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I taught, I taught a bunch of, this was like 15 years ago. Yeah. So it was nothing when I transitioned there, like 
the, so my sergeant at work worked at the, we, in my town, we have two, we have three prisons, two state and one federal prison. Oh, wow. And so if you don't work at the prisons and you don't work at the, at the VA and you're not a business owner, you, you probably like under the threshold of poverty and where I live, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, or find work outside of this town, you know, because we don't offer a lot in terms of that industry and things. So my sergeant at work, I've known him since I was a child. Like we went to church together and stuff. His family, my family, his wife is my son's principal. And uh, it's, it's Sergeant Foster. He was a lieutenant for 20 years at the prison. And I worked for him when I was 18 years old, when I first started getting in law enforcement. Nice. And it's freaking, you know, 20 years ago. Right. And it's so like, it's very surreal because he's been working it to be 18 years. He's been retired at the prison for uh, 10 years. He's 59. And now I work with him again. Now he's my sergeant at work, which is really cool, you know, because it was nothing. When I transitioned, it was so easy. Like, I didn't get treated a certain way. The lieutenant, that's my lieutenant, he moved here. He started, we started, uh, I got him in a gym. My mother and I got gym roles. He wrestles and does jiu-jitsu. And, and uh, we started rolling around because he's a year older than me. So it was like, it was nothing, you know what I mean? To to transition where I was, it was a very good decision on my part. That's awesome. A few years ago. To- yeah, that's awesome. I, um, that, that always helps. And yeah, like speaking of Wolf, man, I don't, I don't even know if he knows I'm doing this, but he, him, Bobby and I, uh, and I guess he's your, your deputy chief. Um, Brag. Yeah. Yeah. We all started together on the same day. And I remember, oh, really? yeah, I'll never forget wow. this. We were all sitting in the conference room waiting for, I don't remember what, for somebody to come talk to us or whatever. And uh, we're sitting there and it, somebody said something and we all kind of like, like looked at each other, like, and I don't remember who, but one of us like, are you, are you Christian? And we're like, yeah, are you? And like all four of us, you know, you know, Christians, I was like, wow, like, like, like the, the Holy Spirit just kicked me in the gut. Like, you know, I almost sure. like, you know, it, it's just such a joyful moment. I'm like, wow, like you can't, that's not something wow. you come across. No, no, no. It not and, and openly want to talk about it, especially at work, you know, yeah. so. And most of the people I work with are, are Christian, um, you know, different, different degrees, just like anywhere, but like outside of like a church, outside of like a church, like that's pretty unheard of as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> No, no, that was uh, the Lord working right yes, there. Yes, sir. Sure. And uh, yeah. so Bragg, he he came by the other day, and I took him up to the gym and let him walk around on like when I was on shift. I gunned down and took him up to the gym because he's gonna come up and roll and stuff. That's good, man. He he's uh he lost a lot of weight. Proud of him, man. He he's, did um, looking slim and trim. It's good. So when he saw my partner and I, his name's Bobby. That's why when I sent that yesterday, you're like, "Who'd you send that to?" And yeah. I was like, "Oh, I sent it to my partner." Uh. Bobby's in really good shape too, like physically. We came so when Brad came back from uh, deployment, mm-hmm. he he didn't know a lot of us. You know, he's gone for over a year. He comes, we started when he was gone. We came out of the restroom together, and he goes, "Man," he goes, because he just met us. He met me, him, and our lieutenant, who's in really good shape too. He goes, "Are all y'all in really good shape down here?" And and our lieutenant, our captain, was like. No, it's just those three. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, they're all in the same shift. I was like, yeah. I was like, and our so our sergeant, he's older. He's not like in phenomenal shape. He's not in bad shape, 
But like, so our sergeant, lieutenant, and my partner, Bobby, were all top shots at LETC. And the, then our sergeant won the Vision 17 shootout with all the VAs. So they're like nine millimeter snipers, bro. Like, mm -hmm. they're killers. I was like, they're really good shots, too. I said, I'll just stay in the back when the bullets fly, uh, when they stop flying. That's when I. That's when it's my turn to get tagged in. Right. <laughs> uh, so. That's awesome, man. Um, it, and that's that's a that's a huge thing too. Like with us, uh, obviously, you know, you you know us. There's well, there's only three of us now. But uh, before, you know, Aaron just took that program manager for long gun. But you know, there yeah, Grant, so Grant's a small guy, but he's a freaking oh, robot. Deadly. He's a robot, yeah. and he is. But you know, same thing. We work out. All three of us work out, and that, that's where a lot of this this idea for the podcast came was from those guys. And we actually just picked up another guy. Um, he's here for the instructor course, uh, ironically, and he got a uh, his tentative job offer um, the other day. He's going to come working with um, with us, and you know, it's oh, that's awesome. We with us man it's not like you can't just like because of what we do um they're not going to just pick up anybody to come work with us like you you gotta not you gotta be on the same a, level he's um right he's a he's a blue belt so you know that's already okay. that's already you know good Dude, that's right I, there. I like i like you know what i mean it's it's i met a lot of people up there you know and there's no disrespect to anybody that i met up there but there's a few people that you know i i think people have uh, spiritual gifts. Yeah, and I, don't, I don't know if, if, if you believe this way or not, but I believe that the Lord has given us spiritual gifts. So I believe one of mine is like intuition. So I'm very good at intertwining. I, I speak easy to people, you know, I, I can conversate well, but within a few minutes, I will know if I like you or not. And I'll, and it's not me being judgmental. It's, it's, it's me like determining if we're like-minded, uh, don't be unequally yoked. Yeah. Uh, iron sharpens iron. You know, yep. all those things within five minutes, I'm going to bring all those out yeah. because that's who I am. And, and I don't want to bull crap it. I don't want to waste your time or my time. And, and if I can't, then maybe I'll use that as a, as a witness, like me to be a witness. You know what I mean? I, I can witness to you. If I, if I believe that you don't need it or something, you know, I don't know. I go off feeling, mm -hmm. but when I, Bobby, I, I mean, I got to be around you a lot. And I was like, yeah, I like these guys a lot, you know, and I, and I like Ryan and I like Grant. I didn't get to be around Grant that much, but the very few times I was around him, I was like, man, I swear. I told my partner when I was in B plus, I was like, that dude's a killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and partner was like unbeknownst to him. He was just a good person, Yeah. but he wasn't tuned with jujitsu and, and he, he didn't know about like things like that. You know what I mean? And, and I was like, he's like, you think so? I was like, yes. I was like, he spoke too well. The way he moves and teaches and he's hands on, I said that I said I don't know who that guy is, but he's a killer. Yeah, <laughs> he came up. I like to sit in the back when we did GDR because I don't. I mean, I don't like to sh like showboat at all. I don't. I'm not that guy. Uh, if it comes time to turn it on, I'm gonna turn it on, and I'll just show you then. But but in the most of it, you know, I like to sit back and kind of you know listen and do what we're supposed to in class because I mean it's not my class. I like to be respectful. Yeah, and he saw. The moving around and I helped a couple guys and he came over and pulled me to the side and talked to me. And I thought that was very admirable of him, you know? Oh yeah. He, he'll, he'll, he, he's watching, even though sometimes he's behind the scenes. Like if he, if he recognizes like some, 
you know, skill or whatever, he'll be like, all right, you know, who are you? What do you do? Because <laughs> he's right. he's a true martial artist, and uh, uh, for sure, and that's the thing, man. Like we, so we're all, the three of us that are left on the mat. Bobby uh, Grant and I were all uh, Christians. We all train. You know, we all exercise, and that's what we're looking for. Like, you know, you need to look the part and be able to do do what you do, do what we do. And this guy, we're picking up Cisco, man. He, um, like, he was in the core. He was a sniper in the core, and he was telling me today, he's like, you know, that's something I've been looking for. Is I was, he's like, I was telling my wife, you know, like these guys that I'm gonna be working with, that's what I've been looking for for years now. Like, you know, that are like minded and and everything. And he told me yesterday, he's like, you know, he's like, when I come, he's like, do you guys go to the same church? And I was like, well, Bobby and Grant go to this church. I go to this church. Da, da. He's like, yeah, I just need somewhere to train and a good church to go to. I was like, bro, like, come on, we, we will hook you up. You know, that's and like, it's just exciting um, to be just to add, be able to add somebody else like that to our, our team is going to be awesome. Man, if it was like, honestly, and I've spoken to my wife about this, it's just not it's not feasible, you know, like I would love to work with you guys. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like I, I do have something to offer in terms of like instruction and stuff. And, and I believe I could work well with you guys. I mean, I don't, I'm telling you, like, obviously I met a lot of people up there. I don't, it's not that I, it's just, I don't want to waste my time or waste theirs. If, if, if I believe organically we can build off something and, and I know that, I mean, we can be transparent on this podcast. You and I haven't talked on the phone ever. You know what I mean? And, and we've texted back and forth and things. And after I left in uh, student phase and all that, it, it developed from there. And like, like, you know, you being on the, the pro bowl team and stuff, you and Bobby both like, bro, like there are people that I know personally that are cops that I know that I see regularly that I've told no to right. because they won't mesh. Well, they will not mesh well with our team. They, uh, they don't live the lifestyle that I want, that, that I want to be associated with. Um, and it's not necessarily that they're bad people. It's just, and, and, and loyalty goes a long way to me. So, you know, I, I came into business and, you know, I, I struggled when I got ownership of things and, and I got told no a lot because I couldn't pay a lot of money. You know, I was paying like 25 bucks an hour, or 20 bucks an hour to guys that were more than those more than $20 an hour guys on a secondary security job, you know, cause you can make 50, $60 an hour. You know, a lot of those guys can, they, they work secondary jobs. And I just told him, you know, this, I can't, you know, if you could help me, you know, I promise you this will pay off. And they told me no. So now they see, uh, the pro bowl is going to happen, you know, and, and, and we're getting all these big events coming back and things and they're, they're begging me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, to me it's team dynamic is more important than anything yeah uh, and and lo- that and loyalty are, are the two biggest things to me when it comes to building this team so like it i just you know i'm just speaking volumes to, to who i think you and bobby are as people and as men and as you know strong christian men that are like-minded like me that it like i told you that one day man like i don't need a resume why do I need a resume? We just talked for 20 minutes. Right. That was a resume. That was a job interview. You know, that was an interview to to me, to you, and from you to me to see if we're going to continue on, you know, speaking to individuals outside of the realm of being professional at work. Yeah. Well, man, I, I humbly appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for that to come. I think uh, 
I told Bobby today that I'm going to bring my mic down and we're going to, we can have a little, you know, in-person session. Um, so man, but going off of that, uh, I like to ask guys, you know, what, what is, what do you see or what do you think a masculine Christian man is? Like, what does that look like to you? To me, um, and I, again, we spoke of current relatively. I don't care about what's relative to current events. Um, the Bible is very clear on certain things. Yes, sir. Uh, a strong Christian man is a provider, utmost, force and utmost. Uh, they're a protector. So my wife and I spoke today. I don't necessarily believe in, like, traditional gender roles. Um, and I believe the Bible is used in good and bad ways. And... And for a long time, you know, with uh, Exodus and things like that, you can read into those things of what the laws were for women and men and things like that. You know, they were much different than they are now. Right. And and it was about rel- what was relative then, you know. Relative things are different now. Um, so I don't believe in, nas- like, you do this, this, and this as a woman. You do this, this, and this, man. However, I believe as a Christian, strong, masculine man, if someone breaks in my house— it's my job to get up and take care of that. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Bible tells me. The Bible says I'm the head of the household. My job is to protect and provide for my family. Those are two things I have to do. Yep. And that, that is, that's not a gender role. That, that is what the Lord says you will do. And that's why if you have a strong Christian woman, then she will sum, be submissive to those things because she knows she is protected and taken care of. That's All right, good. so yep. she can do the everything. So, uh, a lot of women nowadays see being submissive to their their uh, their male counterpart as being underneath them. Being submissive doesn't mean that you're you're worse than them. Yeah, that's one of that's, that's not what those. Yeah, that's one of those big misconceptions as far as uh, non Christians see when they they look at Christians. Um, For sure. Yeah, I mean, men Christian men are submissive to to their wives in other ways. You know what I mean? So they're both submissive because, I mean, Paul's pretty clear in first and second Corinthians, what is hers is mine. What is mine is hers, you know, and vice versa. You know, those things are uh, very true and dear. Uh, So those two things are most important. Uh, I would say having integrity. And like I said earlier, morals and ethics are different. Ethics are law. We all agree on ethics to an extent, unless the law changes. Morals to me are different, and being being honest and true are the most important things, you know, because then my word means something, and you can count on me. That's good. Uh, I, I I would say that uh, something that we lack, or what we talk about as Christians, is self control, and that that's a pyramid of things that we could talk about, whether it be uh, lustful reasons, whether it be I'm on my phone too much. You know, we could break this down. What 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 are you doing? This going in front of your family, yeah. um, and anger issues, being able to control yourself. I believe strong male, masculine Christian man exhibits self control. So, I, I you know I believe that men and women have different levels of self control. I believe that like women, they're highly sought after, they're lusted after. So for them to stay loyal to their husband and fight that off is something they're going to have to continue to do because men inherently are, are uh, sexual deviants, you know, that like history will prove that um, as a whole, I would say not necessarily individually, but 
um, men are so cool that they don't go around killing people all the time. You know what I mean? Like, and those are extremes, you know, that I just use, but I believe you have to have self-control. Yeah. And, uh, I, I believe that you have to have a natural order of how your life is with the Lord being number one, your family, etc. You know, you have to put things in perspective and, and, and have a good self perception of what you need to do in life. Yeah. So to me, those things are, are what I would consider a strong Christian, like male, masculine person or man. Uh, those are the things I encompass and try to work towards every day. And I fall short of those constantly, you know? So, but, uh, but you that, keep going and that's, and that's the big thing, man. Like, uh, yeah. to, to date, everybody I've asked is pretty much more or less. It's something is similar. You know, it's, it's somebody that provides yeah. somebody that's there for their family, somebody and, in a few cases, you know, definitely that protection aspect. And that's, that's, uh, you know, where uh, hopefully through these episodes, more and more guys will see that and um, hopefully get something out of it. And I'm just hopefully just planting these seeds and um, something great can come. But um, man, I'm, I'm really excited. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, hopefully, hopefully it all pans out. <laughs> Uh, it's, it can be a little hinky sometimes being uh, um, not in front of each other. Um, hopefully it, it, right. we got a good episode out of this. Um, if not, we're going to be be together here in like just over a month now. And uh, we'll do it again. Right. And I really appreciate that. So on that, man, if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and pray the episode out. And uh, we'll do it again here in a few weeks. All right. That works for me. All right. Father God, um, I just want to say. Thank you to Paul. Thank you to his family. Uh, thank you for allowing us to cross paths because uh, divinity is true. Divine intervention definitely showed itself. Otherwise, I wouldn't have met him or Bobby. And I wouldn't have consistently met them and then maintained a level of communication with them. That, that's all because of you, Lord. Um, I'm reminded of my favorite verse. It's uh, Luke 6:46. It's, why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do what I say? You know, I, I come back to that multiple times, and, and, and every time I come back to it, you put people like Paul in my life to uh, sharpen me up, to challenge me, to make me better, to show me the, the way and, and kind of take time out of my life. And I'm, th I'm thankful for you, Lord. Uh, pray for Paul and his family and, and their life and, and, and just this podcast. You know, this is a level that the, he can reach individuals in terms of witnessing and the Great Commission. So... Father God, I thank you so much, and and I love you, and I and I hope that everything is going to be fruitful in the future, and I trust in you, O oh Lord. Thank you so much. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, appreciate that, brother, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Everybody have a good week. God bless.